y'all, this is Taylor Phillips from the City of You. Today I am with Dennis Giraldi, the guru behind Do Yo Live. Hi Dennis, how are you? Good Taylor, how about yourself? Great, alright, so just tell me about your Youngstown story. First of all, guru. That one, that one's always a confusing one for me <laughs> because every day the world in which I live in changes so dramatically that um, I struggle with the, the guru label that people throw at me, but that's okay. Um, Youngstown, the, 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 the Youngstown that I live in, you know, it's interesting. I grew up here. I left Youngstown, Ohio in 1991, and I was probably going to leave regardless of the time, whether economically or, you know, there's a lot of crime in the city in 1991. I think we had the highest, the second highest murder capital, murder per capita in the United States. Um, our city inner city was ravaged by the crack epidemic and Bloods and Crips had, had come you know, to Youngstown and it was starting to get to be a pretty rough place to live. But I don't use that as my excuse as to why I got out. I think I just wanted to be adventurous and go see the world. But I always knew in the back of my mind that I was going to ultimately return to Youngstown. So I left here. I went to college in Canton, Ohio. From there, I went to Cleveland, to New York City, to Columbus, Ohio, lived in downtown uh, environments that entire time. And then along that 21-year journey, um, again, I continued to always know that I was going to eventually make it back here. I married somebody from the area, um, and uh, we met when we were living away. And when we had our third child, we, started, we looked at each other, and we just started to think to ourselves, you know, is this the right time to go back? And the reason is is that there was a pulse that I felt here about seven, eight years ago, we come and visit, and you can see things starting to happen, be revitalized in our downtown. It's very energetic and it's very exciting. I met some people at at our tech incubator, and they told me about all the great things that were going on there. And our family basically was all here, so I was the only person that really moved away. And when you live away, you you know, there's there's a number of different things that go go into this decision. You've got to be able to make a living. Um, and you've got to be happy too. But you also have, I, for me personally, I've got to have a bigger purpose at this point in my life. So we checked all the boxes. We can make a living here. Definitely the family's here, so that was going to be really cool. Um, and the fact of the matter is that there's, you know, the bigger purpose is that there's things that I can do to make a big difference in this community. And, you know, with a lot of energy and, and some chutzpah, you know, you can get out and, you know, the, 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 paint your own palette here. Like, you know, create a marketing conference, create a business, teach at Youngstown State University. Like, whatever you want to do, it's your oyster, and you, if, as long as you hustle and do that. And this is an amazing place. I think it's an amazing time. Uh, my family's thriving here. Uh, we've got our family close here. There's a ton of activities. You know, last weekend's a prime example. Festival of the Summer, uh, Summer, Summer of the Arts Festival, the Jazz Festival. City of You had their name all over all that stuff. Um, Saturday night we'll have Pitbull, who's played like in every country in the world, right? In the like, he's playing here, Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. I mean, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't know. I think that that's pretty amazing. And then that you know we've got Do Your Live tucked in. You know, in between that and the Zach Brown band. And by the way, you know, what's become a little blimp on all of this? John Cougar Mellencamp, like a, 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 you know, another Grammy award winning artist is playing the Canfield Fair, like in September. I mean, that, mm-hmm. it's crazy. It Absolutely is. crazy. So it's uh, that, you know, that, that's the world that I'm living in here. It's connecting with a lot of old friends, 
seeing the traditions like, um, you know, when you come out to the church festivals, like uh, Mark Carmel uh, Society Festival mm-hmm. in Lowville is going on mm-hmm. this week. And all of us kids from Lowville grew up with the baby doll dance. Uh, well, I know the baby doll dance. <laughs> right? It's amazing. And you like, you talk about this to all your friends that aren't from Lowville, and then you bring them down there, and it's a little anticlimactic. <laughs> Right? They're like, what's going they're on like, with this? Yeah. They're like, what is this thing? <laughs> but like, if you're from there, it's your opportunity to go back. You know, like my class in 1991, we've never had a high school reunion. Really? But I would say that like indirectly, the pop-up, you know, um, uh, uh, high school reunion takes place every summer this weekend at that church festival. Really? And And so it's like... Those things that when you, you know, you live away, like, um, I'll give you another cool one. So when you live in Columbus and you go out to the grocery store, like the old lady at the grocery store is like saying you go Bucks, mm-hmm. you know, because it's such an Ohio State football town. Mm-hmm. But when you go to the grocery store here, they're talking like high school football. And it's like the game of the week and people are, are so into it. And it and it, it, it's just a reminder of like, that's, that's cool. Like, that's what's important. So. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I grew up in Boardman myself, so I know all about the high school football. Scene. And you're in school here at YSU? Um, I just got my master's. Actually. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. In what? Uh, communications. So I actually worked for Jay. You did. Mm-hmm. And you, you, um, you never had any of my social media marketing classes out of the School of Communications. Mm-mm. I have to put you on the spot. Did, did I, I must have come in too late. For you to, to pick I up I think one of those. you did, yeah. Right. Because I graduated in 2015, my undergrad. Okay. And I, I my think I just started teaching yeah. then. Because my journalism curriculum, I, was, I wasn't grandfathered into the new one. Yeah. So I kind of had to go back and do Well, you, you, like, you yeah. can take it as an elective any time that you want. Yeah, you I back. heard good things, though. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Maybe I'll come back, take the social media you could, you, you could come back and talk. Really? Yeah. No, I, yeah. you know, like... After an entire semester, you know, the, philosophically, I'm introducing things in the class that I think have a lot of real-world application. Mm-hmm. I think that that's so imperative. Like, like, you need to understand the use cases for social media in the real world, and we don't just talk about them. We use them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have students connect with me on Snapchat and on Twitter, and then that, a lot of students, that's how we connect. Like, they'll send messages through Snapchat mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not coming to class for whatever reason. Yeah. Or I'll Snapchat a, a, their empty seat when they're skipping class, <laughs> which is amazing. That's great. Like, your seat's oh not being used today? Question mark. <laughs> or better oh, yet, I have... Or, or I just stay off Snapchat come Thursday through Sunday with college students. I've learned to do that as well. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, okay, let's not go there. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't want to know what goes on. <laughs> That's great. So when did you really catch the social media bug, per se? When did you start to do that? I was that an early passion? adopter. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's documented. That's mm-hmm. the beauty about digital. <laughs> like anybody can walk around and be like, oh, I did this big ad campaign. Well, in the, when the worlds collided, so when, what I mean by that is 2007 is just a, a, semi, a seminal year in social media because of the fact that Steve Jobs announced that he created a mobile web communicator. That mobile web communicator is the iPhone. It enabled social media to absolutely explode. So... I was on Facebook in 2007, not by the desire of me wanting to have this thing in 2007 um, with this social media platform. It was still in its infancy. People were posting stuff like, I'm brushing my teeth. And people were like, other people were like, I don't care when people are brushing their teeth. And there was no picture context. There, you know, there just was text. It was just text. Yeah. 
And so what happened is I was involved and partnered in the business and I was building relationships in healthcare for a medical services company. And so when I was doing that, I took a nurse practitioner out to lunch one day and I was like, I'm literally trying to connect with your office. And she said, well, all these people in our office are on this thing called the Facebook all day long. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is, but I'm going to go back to my office. I'm going to look at this. And when I did it, I was blown away. I was amazed. I was like, wait a minute. So at the time, it wasn't a page. I think it was a fan page or I forget how they labeled it exactly, but I created one. Mm -hmm. And then I emailed her and I said, we created this fan page. Like you could like this. So she liked it. Other girls in the office liked it. And then I started to push updates on it. We now cover this healthcare insurance. And the very next day I got a patient referred to the practice. That's awesome. So then I was like, yeah. wait a minute. It'd take me a month, at least a month, to go around to my entire network, door to door, which is still very important, mm -hmm. to update them with information. Mm -hmm. If I built that network, it'd take me five minutes to push them a notice about mm -hmm. something. So that's when the light bulb went off. Um, I hired a company, uh, a college kid at Ohio State, so it was in Columbus. I hired a college student to make a video for me for YouTube uh, because we had no advertising budget. Mm -hmm. And we put that out there on, the, um, on YouTube and pushed it out through social media and whatnot. You can only put the link at that time. Mm -hmm. And then national trade publications started to pick that up. Nice. And they were like, how yeah. can you... Um, but the world was a lot different. Yeah. So like 2007, this is what healthcare looked like. They said, there's no way that you should be marketing a healthcare services type of business mm -hmm. that provides medical care to patients through social media platforms where college kids are posting themselves at cake parties. Mm -hmm. That was, the, that was like it. Like there's, yeah. you can't do this. Yeah. And it was so disruptive that I knew I was onto something. Mm -hmm. Cause if you look at 2017, mm -hmm. Every healthcare organization Everyone, in America yep. is on social media. So I knew I was early. Um, so I started to study my craft. I started to build the audiences. I really just went all in on just like being a practitioner and studying. And that's, that's I think, a really important point. Because I think a lot of people read up and they know a lot about Facebook. Mm -hmm. But then they don't take it the next step further and actually are a practitioner and ha can say like, Oh, I've, I've done 135 episodes of a Facebook Live over mm -hmm. the past year to grow my audience. Yeah, exactly. And I just don't talk about so that's So that was that. I studied, I studied HubSpot's inbound marketing since 2007 as well uh, from a strategy perspective. Mm -hmm. And that was really my, my footprint into social media. So it was Facebook and Twitter. And LinkedIn was – I was very early on LinkedIn as well. Really? Oh, nice. yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn's good. I like LinkedIn. You know, so it's interesting. With LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn, I was an early adopter of LinkedIn. Um, been on it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And what I find with LinkedIn over the past year is that we basically get limited to no engagement on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. But it's the world's biggest database directory. So if, like, you want to connect with... I don't know. Anybody that was in communications that graduated from Youngstown State University and they live in New York City, mm -hmm. you could do that search and you could find that yeah, person. Yeah, it's amazing. Right? Absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I publish um, routinely on all the platforms mm -hmm. um, differently, though. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's been, a, it's been a positive thing for me.
Nice. That's awesome. I like social media myself. In my master's program, I actually did both of my independent studies and my capstone all on social media. So, um, what was get, get a little bit more granular with me. What specifically did you look well, at? Well, I like athletics a lot. I interned with the athletic department last year. Okay. So I did my independent study for communications on how student athletes kind of connect with each other and communicate and if that can be a problem outside because, you know, you never know what could happen. Like, you got compliance, you got social media. And I found, like, a lot of things with Snapchat can be bad. Like, as you said, like, Thursday through Sunday, craziness <laughs> happens. Absolute craziness. But that one was really fun. But my last two, I really like politics as well. So my capstone was all about social media usage in the election. So, so let's talk yeah. about that for a second. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I take, I take the, I take the, um, well, how do I, how do I phrase it? So go back to my class in, what is it? 2017, mm-hmm. 2016 mm-hmm. in the fall or in the, in, in the spring semester mm-hmm. starting in January. This is what I found. Mm-hmm. So I utilize Nel- Nielsen, mm-hmm. which is obviously the long time yep. ranking. And when in February of 2016, when you looked at the democratic um, um, party, mm-hmm. and they did a town hall with Hillary and um, one of the other candidates that she was running against in the primaries. They had like one million impressions delivered on Twitter. Mm-hmm. When Donald Trump did his singular town hall with Sean Hannity, he outperformed that times five. Oh, yeah. I immediately statistically went to class that day, showed them the Nielsen rankings. And I explained to them, I said, this is not a political conversation. It's a marketing conversation based upon data. And I am here to tell you that Donald Trump right now is outperforming the entire Democratic National Party by five to one. Yeah, it's unreal. Did you look at the Google Mm -hmm. trending information? Oh, yeah. Which was also incredibly interesting. So going Mm -hmm. going into the day of the election, I didn't hear one political pundit cover this. But if you looked at search... Mm -hmm. And Google did this amazing thing with it. Again, he was trending anywhere between three to five to one mm-hmm. over Hillary the entire time outside of the week of the Democratic National Convention. Yeah. So, like, that's what people were putting in the search. Exactly. Because everybody's searching, like, what's he going to say on Twitter today? What's he going to say on Facebook today? Yeah. And then you have Hillary just tweeting out just yeah. pictures of stuff. But it's like... Looking at the stats, it was crazy how much he outperformed. Crazy. And, yeah. and the fact of the matter is that 90% of all buying decisions start with online search. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And so when we're talking about buying decisions, we're talking about a place to go get a cheeseburger, a TV, or a political candidate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes I'll just Google. I'm like, oh, okay, I want a pizza. Where should I get a pizza? And I'll take my location, and it'll say Avalon's right down the street, so you know where I'm going. But... Yeah. That's uh, that's a fascinating um, that's that, that's a fascinating capstone in in graduate studies. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my graduate thesis on the duality meaning of Looney Tunes. Really? <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. So I'm a few years older than you. Yeah. And in nineteen or in two thousand and one, when I got my master's degree, mm-hmm. I was uh, obviously pre, very pre social media. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was, I looked at Looney Tunes and I said, you know, there's three at least three different meanings to to Looney mm-hmm. Tunes. Yeah. You've got the pure value of uh, entertainment for children. Mm-hmm. 
then you've got this undertone of a propaganda film with all sorts of undertones of either propaganda, racial tension, um, um, gender, sexual connotations. Mm -hmm. So, like, there was all this interesting type of political Mm -hmm. and then adult content that was the backdrop of that as well. And it was so intelligently, like, covered that... And the way the characters were portrayed, mm-hmm. and then I, so you you know I would take a look at like I took a look at an in depth look at like the different characters, and you know how they were like kind of stereotyped and categorized, and it was really interesting. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I actually think that's interesting too. Just like that kind of stuff. I love research personally. Research is like one of my favorite things. To yeah. Do. Even though I'm done with school, like I'm always researching, and especially like social media stuff. Like, the other day I was looking up Instagram aesthetics. So it's like sometimes brands have a certain aesthetic for their page, which is kind of cool because it deals with brand identity, too. You ever read about this? So there's a a theory out there called cognitive fluency, Mm -hmm. which isn't really a theory. Yeah. I mean, it really is a true thing. Cognitive Mm -hmm. fluency is basically the more times that you see something from a brand mm-hmm. and that's why brands don't change their, their logo or their, their, their font. Like the Nike Swish. The Nike Swish. Yep. Because you see that and you become, you become very fluent and comfortable with that. I took that same principle to my social media strategy and said, I'm going to put myself out here on a consistent basis and people are going to get so familiar with me yeah. that when I'm out at the grocery store, they're like, I think I know him. <laughs> and I'm like, and I see it now. I'm like, they're looking at me and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And and that's so that I've always so now going this deeper layer into mm-hmm. Instagram, I've oftentimes wondered, and I, I've got a new business that I've spun up mm-hmm. um, that I'm trying to just space very specific to which filter we're going to consistently exactly. use every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, like, crazy because I follow celebrities. I follow different flea accounts on Instagram, and it's, like, they always use the same filter. And it's kind of cool if you go to their profile page, everything's the same, and it looks neat and tidy, but you know that filter is associated with that brand. And it is. And what yeah. happens, too, with user experience is that, like, what hap- when you click on, when you see something here, mm-hmm. you have an expectation. You're going to see the same thing here. Yeah. And, and it used to just be you had a brochure, mm-hmm. and that needed to be consistent. But now you've got so many different places that it shows up. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, I did see something, though, the other day that mm-hmm. I thought was really, really cool. So there was, um, there was a very successful counterculture skateboard magazine, mm-hmm. kind of punk rockish, and Wired some, some mm-hmm. worked off this principle as well. Mm-hmm. So their brand actually was the fact that every magazine cover that they created would be completely different than the next. It was like pretty much like the big, um, you know what, to like the establishment. <laughs> yeah. So like one time they would write in cursive the, uh-huh. label, the, the title of the magazine. Yeah. So the next month everybody was expecting, okay, what's next? And then they would use block lettering or they would copy somebody like super That's- cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Like, seriously, that's, like, some magazines, too. I forget which magazine it is because I'm, like, weird about publications, too, because I really like publications. Um, I really forget which one it is. I'll get back to you someday. But for each issue, it creates a huge picture on the side. Yeah. So it's really cool. I mean, I don't have that many issues, but yeah. it's really cool. No, yeah. I, you know, and I, I, I watch, like, um, so work crazy hours. I've got three kids, eight, six, and four. 
No. We've got a fourth on the way. Oh. And we've got a very unruly puppy by the name of Hooper. No. Like, he's he's a pain. <laughs> and um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> so that and, uh, you know, a couple different businesses doesn't leave much time for, for much TV watching or, mm-hmm. or loafing. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm extremely dedicated to work and then hanging out with my kids. Mm-hmm. That's my two yeah. lives. There you go. See? So late at night, in order to wind down a little bit, I'll, I'll do some late night binge watching, especially Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I'm big into the documentaries on Me Netflix. Me too. Yeah. Which one did you watch recently? So there is, there are a couple that are out there. Um, and one of them is on, on the history behind Vans, mm-hmm. the shoe company. Oh, Super yeah. cool. Um, the other is called the Bones Brigade, mm-hmm. which is also the, the skateboarding uh, counterculture Tony Hawk and the like how that all came about and it's a whole branding mm-hmm. marketing conversation as well um Brooklyn Boheme with Spike Lee mm-hmm. the huge Spike Lee guy yeah so it talks about Brooklyn New York in the the mid to late 80s when all these creatives were living in this highly concentrated area mm-hmm. and all the talent that came out of that mm-hmm. as well oh that sounds uh, cool yeah how about you Okay, so recently I watched, and everybody keeps talking about this, What the Health. No, I, I don't know it, but, you know, yeah. here, here's what's Ugh. funny about it, though, is, like, I watch Fed Up. Oh, yeah. And I, I pretty much too. eat all those things that are in Fed Up <laughs> every day. Yep. Like, just this yeah. morning. Yeah, and it's, like, in What the Health, they always talk about hot dogs, and they talk about milk and eggs, and it's, like, okay, I watched this, but I'm still going to have a hot dog on July 4th. I'm so glad I watched something on Hulu the other day, and like it was one of these. It was one of the ones about the the, the food, and like now outside of a plant based diet, like everything is completely bad for you. Yeah. I'm like, you are not pulling my hot dog from my cold dead hands. (laughs) I'm not giving it up. Um, Flaked. Are you are so are you into any Netflix original programming? Oh yeah. Okay, so what do you think about? uh, Have you seen Master of None? That's my favorite show. Really? Yeah, Master of None's absolutely my favorite season show. Season two? Oh, season two is my favorite. Season one was really good, but season two absolutely is my favorite. Because, first of all, I'm Italian, so I'm really into my heritage. But it was really cool just seeing him go to Italy and stuff. But hands down, that's my favorite show. Um, so I'm a huge fan of, of Master of None. we got something in common. There you go. See? And I... When when part, uh, season two popped up on my Netflix, I was completely stoked about the fact that I had something. Like, I literally watched, you know, I mean, that's what we do now. We binge watch. Um, and I took in season two very depressingly in, like, two and a half nights, if that. Oh, yeah. I so was done, done in a day. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it was right after I graduated. Um, and it, it was a week after I graduated, and I wasn't doing anything. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this. I did it all in a day. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I thought season two was actually even better because, although I like his dad, um, season one for me got a little bit depressing at the end. Mm-hmm. The girlfriend, yep. they break up, and it was mm-hmm. just like, and you were pulling for him. Like, I didn't want him to get back together mm-hmm. and then this one had a lot of tension with the 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 girl from italy yeah. and, and that so he's so funny i know and he's up for like an emmy that shows up for i think eight emmys right now um it's crazy you like flaked i've never watched flaked do yourself a favor watch flaked you season i mean uh yeah so it's on season two okay i'm a huge fan um will arnett is dark comedy but Again, really, really good. I liked him in Arrested Development. Totally. So, so yeah. 
he grows out of that. It's a little bit more serious, but it's definitely funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've, you've got that sense of humor, you'll like that. And then um, I really got down with Narcos in part uh, seasons one and two. I haven't gotten on to Narcos yet, but I heard it's real good. I just was, um, I think it was season one. There was one episode that mm-hmm. it, I actually couldn't get through. I couldn't yeah. even muscle through it. It was, it was very graphic, mm-hmm. very violent. Yeah. It was... Uh, um, it's obviously a real story. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I had to tune out of that. Yeah. But so now let's talk about that. Let's talk about your binge watching habits. So what are people, what are advertisers and marketing people going to do? How are they going to get their message to you when you sit down and you're not watching cable television to where they can interrupt your day with ads and you're now just watching front to back an entire season. Think about that. I actually was just talking about this with my mom the other day because we're moving to a new apartment. So she was like, okay, like, are you going to get cable? Like, what's going on? And I was like, I mean, I don't even watch TV anymore. <laughs> I, I watch the news. I watch CNN because I'm really into, like, getting my news, obviously. But it's like... I'm sitting here and I'm like, do I want cable? Because all I do is binge watch on Netflix. I watch Hulu. I watch Netflix. Um, I have Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime's really good. I love Amazon Video. But I don't know. I just, We're an Apple TV house. Really? I don't know how that happened. It happened by us buying $1.99 iTunes uh, back when that was popular. And that little, that little purchase uh-huh. turned into a phone that turned into a laptop that turned into Apple TV. Yep. And now, have all the Apple products. Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah. how it penetrates your your entire ecosystem. Yeah, and so you have a laptop and a phone when you're binge watching. Mm-hmm. Yep, laptop, phone, iPad. Yeah, that's the usual. And surfing, maybe looking at where you're going over the weekend, what mm-hmm. you're going to buy, yep. that sort of thing. Have that watching. Maybe you're on Twitter on your phone. Yeah. You kind of lose out on the Bravo TV type of stuff that yeah. is the Bachelor TV experience, yeah. right? So, you know, you have mm-hmm. that communal thing where you're hashtagging yeah. and you're watching, what's going to happen next? Yeah. But that said, you are the majority. I, th- I feel like you're the majority now at this point, at least in the demographic, mm-hmm. that that's how we're consuming, digesting yeah. TV. And it's crazy because it's like I was doing the math too and I would save $100 a month if I just got rid of cable. Totally. We cut the cord last a year ago in June mm-hmm. after the Cavs won the, the championship. And um, my kids are immune to pop-ups on phones. Mm-hmm. So if they're in-game app. So now here's how a two-year-old is being conditioned. And you go out to any restaurant mm-hmm. in America right now. Yep. An adult no longer sits there and forces their kid to have a conversation. We do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not perfect. Yeah. But we do. Adult gives their phone the electric leash to the kid and says, mm-hmm. entertain yourself so your mother and I can have like five minutes of adult time. Mm-hmm. The kid at two years old now becomes numb to pop-ups because they're either playing a game and it's interrupting their experience. So now as an advertiser and marketing person, that kid from two years old is conditioned to say, I don't like pop-ups. So that's done. Yeah. You ask my eight-year-old, my six-year-old, and my four-year-old what their favorite TV show is, they're probably going to drop something from YouTube on you. Their favorite TV show is on YouTube. Yeah. That's crazy. So so now, like, (laughs) and by the way, 
When you used to go to the grocery store, mm -hmm. the most coveted shelf space for a sugary cereal was the lower shelves. Mm -hmm. It's because that kid is eye level. Yep. And then you tug at the mom. Uh -huh. And that's the best salesperson in the world, a kid. Yeah. A whiny kid. Mom, 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 mom. Yeah. Now that's not happening because when the kid goes through the grocery store, mm -hmm. they're staring at their iPhone. Yep. It's crazy because I've even seen it at restaurants too. Like, you know, like restaurants, doctor's office, the kid's waiting to go to the doctor's office. The mom will say, here's your iPad, just entertain yourself. And it's like I don't really see kids coloring as much anymore either. I see them, they can do the color on their iPad, but it's crazy. There's necessity that they should live in this technologically advanced world. Mm -hmm. And they should learn how to moderate, moderate their behavior and manage it, mm -hmm. but they should still know how to make stuff. Yeah. And they should still know how to like, you know, the, 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 the biggest problem with our youth culture that I see today, mm -hmm. and I celebrate a lot of positives, but mm -hmm. the biggest problem that I see with youth culture today is this, is that everything has been, they call it helicopter parenting, is, yeah. is there's no self-directed play anymore. Mm -hmm. So basically... From the time that, you know, you want to start, you want to put your kid in the youth sports league at two, four years old, mm -hmm. it's out there for you to do that. Yeah. And you can get individualized yeah. coaching. Mm -hmm. And so the problem with that is that at four years old, the kids underneath the guidance of the parents, mm -hmm. under coaching, under supervision. And so the difference is, is that the generations before that, they had different yards in the neighborhood yeah. that had different creative rules. Mm -hmm. So they were creative. They made up their own games. The leaders came to the top, mm -hmm. and you developed leadership. Yeah. And then you got in fights, like, you know, like a yeah. conflict resolution. Yeah. So we've purposely not had our kids play in all these crazy sports leagues, but they're in the yard playing with the neighbor kids. Mm -hmm. And I know that they've got different trees as bases and mm -hmm. what's out of balance because they don't yeah. know how to bounce. And I know I've seen some shoving. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we're cool with that. Yeah. Um. And then the then the second half is that if they're not if they're not being directed by the parents, their phone their face is on a device. Mm -hmm. It's true though. You see it. And then it, and then it then it spawns over to here. So mm -hmm. I teach at Youngstown State Park. Yeah. And when I give an assignment, it's I want you to provide me with an app review. Mm -hmm. And that's basically the assignment. Mm -hmm. So then I start to get, like, what are the parameters? How long do you want it to be? What, how, do we, how do we present it? Mm -hmm. How do we, um, you know, what's the, you know, all these questions. And I say, well, it's, you know, uh, here's some of the basic requirements. Five minutes, got to be an app review. Mm -hmm. You've got to use the app to tell the story. Mm -hmm. Basically, that's it. The rest is on you. If you want to do a PowerPoint, do a PowerPoint. If you want to do, you want to videotape it and show it, videotape it show it. And people look at me with a deer in the headlights look, and they're lost because I'm not yeah. providing direction. Mm -hmm. And not, this isn't a criticism of, of professors in, in the university, mm -hmm. but the fact of the matter is, from the time that these that, that a kid is four to now they're a 22 year old college student, they've got an authority figure explaining every bullet point of how you do stuff, mm -hmm. and where does where does the free thought mm -hmm. come into play? Yeah, exactly. That's really cool, actually. I'd like that in a teacher. So <laughs> I don't like when it's like, I mean, like, I love education, don't get me wrong, but it's like, okay, here's a three to five page paper about this, that, this, that, this, that. 
do this. But it's like, I like being creative. Yeah. Like being creative is one of my things that I always have to be, like no matter what I do. Like any job that I do, I have to do it in some kind of creative manner. But that's just, I would like that a lot. What, what, uh, what work are you pursuing at this point? I really actually am interested in digital media marketing. Yeah. Kind of like what you do. Because I, even in undergrad, I was a journalism major, so I worked for our student newspaper, but then I decided to kind of see what social media was like and social media marketing, and I started to do internships in that and kind of look up different articles and blogs and kind of see what the future was for it, and I see that there's a really bright future. Um, so do you, are, are you looking to work for a company, or are you looking to, like, try to pick up some companies that you can do some work with? Have you thought that far ahead? Um, either or. It doesn't matter to me. I would like to work for a company, but I know some people, I follow some blogs and different things, but I know some people have their own, like, contract for different brands and stuff, yep. which I think would be really, really cool, and I think I'd enjoy that, too. It is. So there's a lot of opportunity that are, mm -hmm. that is out there today in this space. And like whether, you know, there's different models that you can work mm -hmm. in an agency, you can have your own freelance business, you could have it as a side hustle, you could go work for a brand. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the opportunities out there and the main, the main thing I think that's behind that is that you have to jump in and you can't wait. Mm -hmm. um, what I preach to the students in my class, and mm -hmm. I live by my own example, mm -hmm. is to figure out how you're going to create and deliver content mm -hmm. that positions you with some expertise. Mm -hmm. And then as you do that, you can begin to develop and nurture the relationships, and you can actually get paid to do this. Yeah. So, like, so many people spend so much time on social media. Mm -hmm. I've just figured out a way that, in the most genuine way possible, that I can make a living with the platform yeah and it's like I know people that one of my friends actually has a blog and she gets like she reviews things and they send her stuff really that's crazy like and it's like if that could, would be really cool so last year we had um, Joe Polizzi from Content Marketing World had our had our event as a keynote speaker mm -hmm. and Joe's conference in Cleveland attracts over 4,000 people mm -hmm. um, and he's one of the foremost authoritarians on content marketing and basically mm -hmm. what that means is this you find your area of expertise mm -hmm. that you're extremely passionate about, mm -hmm. and then you find a way to create that content and deliver it on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. And as you grow your audience, and the bigger that audience grows, you can begin to monetize it. Mm -hmm. So you always want to try and own those contacts, so that's why people try and capture the email address. Mm -hmm. But this podcast is a form of content marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, like when I went back to the City of You and I explained... You know, you've recorded over 140, 50 podcasts. Mm -hmm. There are so many people, including myself, I've struggled to get, you know, people like, people don't like to admit their faults or their vulnerabilities. Like, I have struggled to get my podcast up off the ground. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it's not off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lack of content. Yeah. Or it's not a lack of energy. Yeah. Or you know, I recorded four hours of a podcast and realized I never hit the record button. Yeah. Oh, my it's God. That's why I keep checking. I'm like. Oh. No, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a technology challenge thing with yeah. me. Like, it's an issue with me. And so, you know, I have a blog. I have a Facebook Live marketing show. Mm -hmm. um, I have the interest in this. Mm -hmm. And that's depth for me yeah. because of my experience. Mm -hmm. There are so many business owners out there in this community today 
that don't even know where to get started with even a basic Facebook strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That whether it's a little or a lot of money, you know, are willing to pay for results, obviously, but it's a necessity. Um, and it's it's there for you with the with the taking to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Again, like this podcast is a fine fine way of doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I never thought about that. I mean, I I've heard like people that do kind of different individual projects for people, but it sounds like something I'd be interested in pursuing. Now that I think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Um. So what else? What else is interesting to you right now? Oh gosh. Um. I mean. I, we talked about the binge watching, obviously. Right now, I've never watched The Office, so I'm watching The Office, which is cool. But um, kind of at that too, I don't know. It's just cool to binge watch and then social media stuff. <laughs> I have a blog. I'm trying to get my blog off the ground right now, but it's kind of just something I've always wanted to do, and I decided why not do it because I just graduated and kind of well, at the time I was in between jobs, so I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to start this. Well, I'll tell you this right now. There's two things about you that you scare the world. And as, let, let's just call it what it is, a millennial. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm Generation X. I'm mad yeah. at the world. I like yeah. Pearl Jam. But I'm a millennial. Which, by the way, if you get a chance, yeah. watch Pearl Jam's documentary, uh-huh. 20. Yeah. It is an amazing story. Really? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it stems so far beyond music and cultural and you know, the marketing conversation. Yeah. So anyway, the world has not figured out two things that scares the crap out of everybody in business with, with this so-called millennial generation. Number one, they don't know how to employ you. Mm-hmm. And number two, they don't know how to sell stuff to you. Mm-hmm. Like nobody likes to be marketed or sold to, but like you know, I've talked with like 20 somethings where I was working on a project and it is a good project. It's a fun project. There is altruistic value to it, mm-hmm. but there's also money involved as well. Yeah. You got to get paid. Like I got mm-hmm. three kids. Like I got to have, you know, I got to do stuff that yeah. puts food on the table mm-hmm. and eventually puts them through college. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were like, I was like, so here's what it is. And they're like, oh, I love that. I go, but there's additional value because you're going to be working with X, Y, and Z. And they're like, that has no value to me. I'm like, you're, I'm like, you're being so myopic in this conversation right now. <laughs> anyway, so what I mean by that is you, yeah. you have the ability to be completely empowered at your age like no other time in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. The barrier to entry right now for you is incredibly low. Mm-hmm. As long as you cut down a little bit on the binge watching yeah. and increase the output. Uh-huh. So, so here's what I mean by that. We're doing a radio show right now. Mm-hmm. In order for this to have taken place five, if not ten years ago, mm-hmm. I'd have to call a radio station up and talk my way onto the radio. Yeah. Not only that, I'd get five minutes to have that conversation. And here we are. Right. Just having our conversation. Uh, publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, written content. Mm-hmm. Where in the course of the history of time could you decide that you want to start to self-publish via blog and put that out there for the world to read, whether one or 500 or a million people read that, you would have to go to every magazine, every newspaper, and say, this is why I need to be validated. You'd have to prove your existence. Mm-hmm. And you, at this point, don't need to do that. Yeah. You just need to have some really good ideas, mm-hmm. some talent, 
and some stick to on your blog to mm-hmm. say, I can do this. And you build that audience that mm-hmm. way. Video. Again, you and I walk down to the TV station. We're like sitting there juggling and saying, we're funny. We should be on TV right now. <laughs> and you're like, take a hike. <laughs> yeah. But we could create yeah. our own show on Facebook or on YouTube. Yeah. And again, talent and your ability to suck at the beginning because mm-hmm. who doesn't start at something that's like, isn't magical day one? And work your craft over a period of 12 to 18 months to mm-hmm. build that audience to be able to do this. Yeah. So don't write me one blog and stop after that because yeah. you didn't get 100,000 views. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to write it like, what are you writing now? One, two, three days a week? Yeah, three days a week. That's hard. Yeah. It's incredibly hard. And it's hard because sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, I just write about a lot of different stuff because a lot of things interest me. So some days it's like, I don't know what to write about today. And that's what, I don't know. It just sucks sometimes. It's a combination of like expertise will say just write three days a week and Mm -hmm. some of it's not going to be very good and then you'll you'll hit your, your, your beauty spots. Um I have vacillated between short form blogging mm-hmm. of like 250 words with bulletized content mm-hmm. and and then I've gone back over to the long th- 3 days a week yeah to now a 1500 word blog mm-hmm. one day a week yeah here's where I've actually graduated to mm-hmm. so because blogging is so hard mm-hmm. and to do it right and do mm-hmm. do good I have now graduated to something that I think I'm fairly decent at, and that's talking. Yeah, exactly. I take my, 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 my video, mm-hmm. and I transcribe it into my written blog. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So now what happens is I got the video aspect. Mm-hmm. I put that onto my blog. It's videos being rewarded across all social media. Mm-hmm. I've got the written content, which has a huge impact on mm-hmm. search engine optimization. Yep. So it's how Google finds you, mm-hmm. at least for now. I saw something yesterday. It was amazing. <laughs> um, Alexa and Google Home devices. Yeah. Oh, I just got an Alexa. Voice actually. search? Yeah. So we were, doing, we were screwing around doing voice searches. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, and last January, we did a marketing show on uh, artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And it's here. I mean, it's here. So anyway... So now you get the written portion. Mm -hmm. And what people are doing, so now formatting becomes important. Mm -hmm. So you people go to a blog, they hit play, they listen. Mm -hmm. They then scroll down and they're looking at the subtitles. And Mm -hmm. they're reading the subtitles because they're skimming. Mm -hmm. And in the first seven seconds, if something is said or done Mm -hmm. that attracts their interest, they will then go back up and read the blog. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they're out. Exactly. So that's why I have a combination of audio, video, and written content. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually, just from starting my blog, I was thinking of starting a vlog because I know, like, some people, when Vine was really cool, you know, RIP Vine, but when Vine was cool, people were kind of just marketing themselves that way. But, I mean, Ross Smith, that guy with the grandma from Youngstown, he was a Vine star to start out. Now he's YouTube and bringing grandma everywhere around Youngstown. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, what's interesting about this is it gets into the conversation about don't build a house on rented space. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that you're risking, 
if you build a big audience on a social media platform, yeah. you always have to be cognizant of the fact that you don't own that audience. Yeah. Facebook does, mm-hmm. Twitter does, Vine does. Yeah. And you look at the guy, um, uh, you look at the guy that was from Cleveland even, mm-hmm. um, that was on 60 Minutes. They did a whole episode on social media influencers. Mm-hmm. And he got in and got out at the right time, but he had built up this massive following mm-hmm. on, um, on Vine. Mm-hmm. And then he diversified the portfolio to other platforms. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. If you can capture that audience on your email, you will always own that database. Exactly. But, you know, I know we have a, we have a person that's presenting at our conference that's built up her Instagram following to almost 30,000 people now, which in the influencer space, you know, you need to be 50 to 100,000. Mm-hmm. But if it's a niche audience, 30,000 people is a lot of followers mm-hmm. for a mere mortal. Exactly. Like, if your last name is not Kardashian and you have, like, 30,000 people <laughs> following you, that's yeah, pretty darn good. exactly. And so that's what's, you know, that, that's, that's another area of barrier to entry when we just say, you know, kids are connecting with people. Um, you know, Musical.ly is another example. Mm-hmm. The way that music gets launched now, you know, is, is incredibly interesting that mm-hmm. you can go to musically and build this following yeah um you know there's a there's a conference in california like twenty five thousand kids attended because mm-hmm. they want to go meet their youtube star oh yeah yeah i saw that that was a couple weeks ago jordan paul i think is the is the guy that's the um the kid from cleveland that that made it big on vine really and he was getting paid like three hundred thousand dollars to produce vine videos for like dunkin donuts mm-hmm. it's crazy how much you can get paid for this stuff and that's why I was sitting there and I was like oh maybe I could do that too I don't know it's just cool because sometimes you'll like I follow a bunch of YouTube and Vine stars on social media and it's just like they always market things for people it's like you have Ross showing a picture of grandma holding something from Youngstown like oh go here he hasn't done that yet but we'll we'll see here's what people don't think though people don't think that like I, I think people discount this yeah like and I think that those are the businesses. Um, I was with somebody the other day, a CEO of a company locally, and they're like, uh, I was in a meeting, in a marketing committee mm-hmm. meeting, and we were talking about Facebook, and he's like, I'm not on Facebook. I'm like, I know, you're like one of the two billion people that's not on Facebook, right? And I'm like, in this day and age, you can't take anything off the table and be proudly ignorant about the fact that you're not on a social media platform, mm-hmm. especially if you own a business or if you're in marketing. Exactly. It is so real that people that I, I will tell you that I show up in places that I'm not, I, I made a conscious decision a few years back to own my own backyard. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that the national landscape for people that are trying to put out at marketing advice is very crowded. It's Mm -hmm. a very noisy space. Mm -hmm. I said, if I could just be the best expert in my own backyard, Mm -hmm. that would probably be pretty good. Yeah. And I will come across people and they will say, we like, they're like, man, like you're everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's on a micro level on this region yeah. yeah, like I, I have influence. Like yeah. I can put content out on one of my social media platforms and people see it. Mm-hmm. And now I have to be very careful because people put a lot of credence into what I put out. Yeah. 
like if I endorse something, the other day I can't I can't announce the pizza <laughs> shop, but I put them on, on. You've never seen do the right thing, so do the right thing. There's a portion of it where they 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 put Sal's pizza on a boycott, mm-hmm. and I put pizza joints on boycotts all the time if I have to. <laughs> And I had to put one on that list just about a couple of days ago. And I was going to go to my social media and be like, don't, whatever you do, like, they're making my Sal's Pizza boycott list. But I was like, I can't blow them up like that. Yeah, because you've got a presence. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it could, probably could be damaging. And, yeah. And, and, and I don't know, like, I, I don't want to be that, that way. But, yeah. it, you know, honestly, like, you know, there's... Um, you know, I have, you talk about politics. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people lost a lot of friends through this election. It's true. And it's crazy. I muted a lot of people on Facebook from it. Muted. Yeah. The conversations got ugly. Mm-hmm. You learn things about different people, regardless of what side you were on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, what was interesting is that silence was then the new endorsement of mm-hmm. the Republican candidate, who's now our president. Yep. So, like, if you're not saying anything then you must be for Trump. And it's like, maybe I just want to stay out of politics. Yeah, exactly. You just want to but, stay out. you know, like, if there's something like that, I have to make a decision. So the, the, so there becomes this element to it as well as to, you know, the other side of it is what, what are you comfortable with? Mm-hmm. What, you know, because you got to be transparent. you got to be authentic. Yep. But what, what are, what's too much information or what could be potentially damaging as well? Exactly, and it's just like even now after the election's over, I mean, I saw a lot of news outlets, CNN, you know, MSNBC on social media, and I'm reading the comments, and people are just fighting with each other. (laughs) Yes, it's so bad. Like the other day, I was watching a live feed on Facebook because you can do that now. You can do that. What, you can watch? What do you mean? Like I was watching a news press conference or something. You were watching which one? Um, I think it was from the White House, I believe, but... There was some, no, it was um, Donald Trump and Emmanuel Macron. They had a press conference in France yesterday, and people were just going crazy on each other. Like Snapchat. <laughs> it is, it, you know, it, it is very crazy um, um, that, you know, but it's, a, it's the channel, and, like, mm-hmm. you can connect with people and have, you know, like, again, it kind of comes back down to this, too. Like, it's the first time not only can we be, publishers but now we have a voice yeah like it was before it was like you go down to the barber shop you go to the bar Mm -hmm. you go to the coffee shop and you got five people there and you're like you know like my dad still goes down to the coffee shop and he's got they solve all the world's problems yeah exactly but now you you got a voice you're part of the story like i like this i don't like this Mm -hmm. i got an opinion um and it's like even like Besides opinions, you're like, here's what I'm doing today. Put it on your Instagram story. Put it on your Snapchat story. And it's crazy. Because it's like people are with you, like, real time, basically. And you know, what's, you know what else is crazy, too, is this. Is that, like, I'll put out what I think is really good, informative, mm-hmm. compelling content. Like, full of nuggets. Like, yeah. I nerd out very much on social media. Like, the other day, yesterday, just mm-hmm. yesterday. Okay, so on Instagram, if you go to... The stories, yeah, um, were discovery. Mm-hmm. Now you want to see something very cool, yeah. So on stories now, this is what happens across the stories at the top. If you tag your location in your story uh-huh. picture, you'll come across the Youngstown story. 
So like maybe maybe you tag something and you said, here's my location, and yeah. this one happens to be tagging, you're going to show up. How about that? That's so wild. Okay. And, like, even the Snapchat one, too, did you see how you could see people on the map? Yes. And there's stories everywhere, yeah. So, like, so like this is, this is for me, this is a yeah. huge game changer. This uh-huh. is velocity of social media marketing changing before our eyes mm-hmm. at the very second. Yeah. Because now I know that I can actually tag my... Instagram yeah. and get more eyeballs yeah. to the content and you know and we're documenting you know that that's the best advice I could give anybody it's like document don't like create and document as much versus varnished yeah and what's interesting is I'll create this amazing content about mm-hmm. here's here's a big breakthrough with Instagram mm-hmm. tag your tag your stories with the location you'll show up on a broader story on yeah. discovery and it's like you can't you can do that with Snapchat, but it's like on Instagram, I just feel like Instagram's starting to kind of kill Snapchat because of all the features. But here's what's really interesting. So from a marketing perspective, mm-hmm. people should be like, wow, that's really good, that's a really good tip. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. But I'll tell you what happens is that most people will will not respond to that. Yeah. But what they'll respond to is you and I selfie. And yeah. we'll get a thousand likes. Exactly. Because it's just like, yeah. they're like, oh, we don't care about the marketing. Yeah. Like, we just want to, we, we like the idea of the selfie. Yeah. And it's like. And then you tag Youngstown. Yep. And, it, and, it, and that's like, that's what's interesting um, about, you know, about this is yeah. that, the, I don't know, like that's, but you're right. So now Instagram, Instagram versus Snapchat. So with Facebook's acquisition of Instagram a few years back, it's very mm-hmm. apparent that Facebook is the Microsoft of the social media world. Mm-hmm. And they have the proven ability that whatever they want to develop and mm-hmm. how quickly they want to develop, they can. They have an army of people. And they basically are, are looking at Snapchat and saying, okay, well, how do we keep people in Facebook? You know, one in five, one in four views of the web goes through Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different ways that Facebook, like if you now click on something on Facebook, you don't technically leave Facebook, but mm-hmm. you're seeing the website within the Facebook application. And they're looking at Instagram or they're looking at Snapchat going, okay, so they got stories and they got stuff that disappears and you could record it and maybe find, okay, well, let's just develop it. Mm-hmm. And because of the mass audience and because of the virality of Instagram, mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it, Snapchat most people 35 years in order don't have any clue on how Snapchat works. Exactly. And then the other downside for most marketing people is that they put more into the potential virality versus engagement. Mm-hmm. So the great thing about Snapchat is that there's a lot of engagement, but it doesn't really have the ability to hit the magic while wow, a thousand people may end up liking this tomorrow. Yeah. So I think that's why, and that's what you'll see but Snapchat isn't billing themselves anymore as a social media platform. When they launched their glasses a couple of years ago, they 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 they're like they're like a photo company. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but a lot of people in your generation like Snapchat. Oh, everybody loves Snapchat. Trust me, that's the big thing. And it's like I like Snapchat too, but it's hard because when you market it, like it's for the millennials, you know. And like it's like my mom. I made my mom a Snapchat. She has no idea what she's doing on it, and I was like, "Mom, like." You know, here's a here's the thing about it though. Like when I was early in on Facebook, mm-hmm. 
other people were looking at me like, oh, you're crazy. And then five years later, they got there. Mm -hmm. Right now, Facebook Live feels like Facebook when it started. Like, people are like, ah, I don't know. It seems like a bad idea. Facebook Live's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So now we could all have our own little reality TV show. Mm -hmm. People are like, that's a really bad idea. Mm -hmm. And that's the equivalent of people brushing their teeth in 27 going, I'm brushing my teeth. I'm having this food for dinner. And people are like, I don't care what food you're having there. But you look at Instagram, we obviously do because we take pictures of food mm-hmm. stuff all the time and hashtag it food, right? So Facebook Live, people are sleeping on it right now. Mm-hmm. They're not adopting it. And they're going in, five, in, in two years to five years, long-term business planning, when it's massively adopted and then very noisy, they're going to be like, I really wish I would have honed and built our Facebook Live strategy. Exactly. And like, and Snapchat's and I, the yeah. same way. So now Snapchat's like this. Oh, it's for the millennials. Mm-hmm. It's for a younger demographic. Well, guess what? Next year, two years, five years, ten years, guess what? They're going to still be on Snapchat. And this is your opportunity to capture and get expertise mm-hmm. because there's going to be something that comes behind it. Yeah. That, uh, you know, no, but so now you're going to be like, oh, we should have a Snapchat channel. Yeah. We don't. Exactly. I know um, Facebook Live, especially, and Snapchat. I utilized it last summer in athletics, and we would Facebook Live all the press conferences after the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I it's love, awesome. I love, too, the, I love the, you know, someone, one of your predecessors, Caitlin Brown. I know Caitlin, yeah. Um, was a part of getting the YSU football Snapchat up off the ground. Mm-hmm. And then I followed the athletics on Snapchat. And you do a really, really good job. Like, mm-hmm. it's really engaging. It's telling me a story about the team that I can't see anywhere else. Yeah. You know, YSU's a mid-major, so they're not on TV every night. Mm-hmm. And it's informative. Yeah, exactly. And I did one of my other independent studies on how athletic departments utilize social media. And I interviewed probably like six to eight schools. And they all said that they utilize Snapchat and Facebook to kind of bring in the fan that can't be at the game, which is pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. So I love this conversation. Yeah. I really appreciate um, this. And anytime that you want to connect, um, I'd be glad to get together and, and, and talk with you. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I, I mean that. Like, I, I, through my classes at Youngstown State, I kind of forced the issue with LinkedIn, and I have all the students connect with me, and I'm like, mm-hmm. don't be surprised every six months if you get, like, a little note from me. And it's just yeah. what I do. Um, but I do have to run to another appointment. Okay. And it's because things have gotten a little bit crazy in my life. Yeah. With mar- so yeah. the marketing conference, Do You Alive, is mission is basically provide ongoing professional development mm-hmm. for marketing, business, sales, and design professionals 365 days mm-hmm. a year through our online assets. Yep. Um, we have a conference one time a year, and that's coming up on August 3rd, mm-hmm. which the City of You is a big sponsor of, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. I think you're going to be there. Yeah. As part of the shoot. Oh, team. yeah. Right. So we have two keynotes. We have President Jim Trestle giving mm-hmm. opening remarks. We have over 15 breakout sessions on basic social media strategy and digital marketing strategy for the mm-hmm. basic business owner to more complex topics for the, the seasoned veteran. 
We've got an awesome networking, awesome networking opportunities, and a really cool after party as well. That we will have two DJs throughout the day. Um, we're working on a live band, so we'll see if that comes together. Nice. So it's really interactive. It's a high energy event held at mm-hmm. Williamson College of Business, and um, you could go to doyoulive.com and check that out. Um, but Taylor, thank you so much. Yeah, this no is awesome. problem. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for talking to me today. <laughs>